0: are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. When I was a student at Trevecca Nazarene University uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, before cell phones were invented, um, true story, uh, I met a guy whose name was Bob Benson. Uh, He was an author, and uh, he traveled a lot and spoke uh, he was the president of a publishing company, um, and, and he, would, he would speak often at the university I attended. And so this past week, a friend who attends here, Norm Henry, sent me a text saying, uh, the sermon series we're in reminds me of some of Bob's words. And he was quoting Bob's book called The Quest of the Shared Life what a great title of a book in quest of a shared life and, and Bob sensed God say to him one day and he wrote these words in the first chapter the first words if you have more time Bob we could be together more and so Bob writes what he sensed God was saying and so here was Bob's response well yes Lord we could but but I'm president of the company, a ministry-oriented company, and I have a big family, and I travel and I speak a lot on weekends for you, and the company is growing and needs much attention, and these are not easy days in which to live, much less make a company grow. I'm having a hard time just keeping it all together, God. And, and Bob senses God's spirit in the matter, and he senses to God saying, I know I'm not trying to crowd you, Bob. And I'm not trying to add to your burdens. I, I don't want to make it harder for you. I was just reminding you that if you, if you had more time, we could be together more. Bob wrote those words in the early 80s. And I wonder if he was alive today and he could see it the pace in which we're living now what he would think. I, I, I try to contrast that mindset, his response, which I think is a lot of our responses, to, uh, to Jesus' life. And, and one of the things that has happened to me over these last few months is I've been reading a couple of books which I believe God has used powerfully in my heart. John Mark Comer's... Um, ruthless elimination of hurry and John Eldridge, get your life back. What's happened is I've had to ask myself this question. Did Jesus live his life in a hurry? And and I don't find any evidence for it. In fact, I find the evidence the opposite. I can't imagine Jesus saying to somebody who is lying along the side of the road, crippled, needing healing, you know what? I have got to go. I just don't have time. I am sorry, right? Or can you imagine Jesus saying to a crowd, okay, that's it. Cut them off right there. We we are late. We were supposed to be in Galilee two days ago. Everywhere we go, the crowds are increasing. I'm building a brand here, you know. I just can't imagine Jesus saying to anybody, sorry, got to go, you know. And in, in fact everything I see is the opposite. He gets this news that his friend Lazarus is very sick. And then there's this really odd line in the scripture that says so he stayed there two more days. I mean they're they're calling saying can you come Lazarus is sick but then the scripture says but he stayed there two more days. What constitutes Jesus dropping everything and going except his friend Lazarus is sick, about to die. Jesus has the power to heal him. Why not drop everything and rush off? I mean, isn't that how we live? Don't we just say, just go, go, just go on. I'll take care of this. Or, or when Jairus comes to Jesus and says, my daughter, she's dying and, and Jesus goes with Jairus, but along the way, this lady who has been suffering for 12 years—she spent all of her money at doctors, can't get better. She touches the hem of Jesus' garment, and and she she is healed. And Jesus stops to be with her. And and I can imagine that Jairus is saying, "Come on, man, my daughter is dying. Hurry!" But, but, but that's not. That's not how Jesus rolls. I think about when I mentioned the other day, Jesus is baptized and and God's voice thunders from heaven. This is my son whom I love and him I'm well pleased. It's like, you've got the stamp, man. You're good to go. There is a world to be saved. And what does Jesus do? He goes to the desert for 40 days. And he prays. He was always slipping off to quiet places to pray. Sometimes he would pray all night. I can't imagine how much he got accomplished the next day if he stayed up all night praying. I mean, the guy could sleep. He understood rest. I mean, the boat is being tossed around, and they think they're going to lose their lives. They finally have to wake him up. He, he he took long meals with friends and every week he observed the sabbath and and then he says you ready follow me and i don't think he was simply saying walk with me to the next stop i i believe he was saying live like i live Do what I do. Live life at my pace. Come to learn the unhurried rhythms of life with me. It's it's rhetorical and it's an indictment. I'm going to admit all of that, but this is where I think we're living today. Um, Are we in too much of a hurry to follow Jesus? In Kentucky, we used to say, my foot. That meant I disagree. (laughs) Follow Jesus, my foot. Have you seen my schedule? Follow Jesus, nothing. I ain't got that kind of time. Take on his rhythm of life? I don't think so. Have you seen my calendar? That's not happening. I have fully bought into the rhythms of my culture. I have not bought into the rhythms of Jesus. I'm living a whole different pace than he did. And and so you turn to the words of Jesus this morning. You ready? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary. You ever been weary? I was reading that this week and I remembered one day running into a hospital to see somebody. I was so busy. My life was so full. I was so tired. I was weary. And I remember that guy had this minor thing going on and I remembered envying him, wishing I was in the bed instead of him. Your life's messed up when you're wanting to trade places with a guy in a hospital bed. You're too weary. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you Rest. Seems appropriate, doesn't it, for a sermon about hurry? Take my yoke upon you. We're going to spend some time talking about what a yoke is and what Jesus means by yoke. And learn from me. So come and walk with me and learn from me. For I am gentle, I'm humble in heart. And he says that again, you'll find rest for your souls For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I don't think there's anybody here wanting to get your hand in the air to say, can you talk to us about what weary means? Because we do not know. We have never been weary before. I think we all know what it's like to be weary, to be physically or mentally exhausted, to be tired, to be worn out. I am worn slick my dad used to say. Or even we don't struggle to know what it is to be burdened. weighted down. And we use it more metaphorically than we do literally. We 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 liken it to carrying something heavy emotionally or having a heavy concern about something. I've been carrying something for a few weeks now we say. Or I didn't tell you because I don't want you to have to carry it. You know how we talk about carrying something heavy, being burdened, right? And the two kind of go together. I get tired of carrying heavy burdens, right? Carrying heavy loads make me weary. Back um, years ago when we had been in Cincinnati for the first seven years, the church board gave me a sabbatical, a rest. And, uh, And I was weary, and I was, I was burdened. I was weighted down. And so on the first weekend, that and I went on a cruise. And I, uh, I dropped my phone in the ocean. Okay, I threw my phone in the ocean. What difference does it make how I got there? The phone was in the ocean, okay? It's, it's not true. I'm just teasing. Actually, the phone was in a plastic bag that was not ziplocked when it should have been it was put in a backpack and we went on an excursion on a little sailboat and walking back you know close to the shore in the water I dropped the backpack the phone got wet and it was done and and we had six more weeks of rest and that and I began to say what if I don't replace the phone until after sabbatical What if we just call the office and tell them if they need us, call Annette's phone? What if we called our girls and said, if you need us, call mom? And for seven full weeks, I did not have a phone. I, I don't think I realized how weary my phone made me, how tired. I, I don't think I'd realized how much of a burden that phone had become in my life. And not until this week, this is the first time in my life that I've ever compared a phone to a yoke. <laughs> but shouldering the weight of being tethered to something all of your life, constant access, that can make you weary. I, I know that a phone is low-hanging fruit. It's easy to cuss a phone, right? I mean, it's easy to talk bad about a phone. But, but I do believe that it distracts us from a quieter and slower life. I believe it distracts us from a lot. Ed Stetzer was here a few months ago speaking to pastors, standing here, and he said, this thing that we carry in our pockets is both feeding us and killing us at the same time. And, and this week, it occurred to me that it can be a yoke something that you live under. Let me, let me talk to you about it, okay? I brought a picture because I know you guys aren't farmers, most of you. And, and I thought a picture might help. So it's, it's like a wooden um, frame that goes over the back, typically, of maybe two oxen, um, allowing them to pull and work together. And so you want the oak to fit well over, over the oxen. And so you, you think about it, it's, it's something that you, you shoulder. It's something that becomes a burden. It makes you tired. Do you know what the people of Jesus' day, get this, you're going to, do you know what the people of Jesus' day, they use this idea of yoke, all right? They use it as a metaphor for something. Jews, good, God-believing, God-fearing Jews, use the yoke as a metaphor for something. Do you know what they use it as a metaphor? God's law. How messed up is that? They, They talked about the Torah being a yoke, living under the yoke of the Torah. I mean, this is God's good law that he gave. But here in this passage, the target of Jesus' criticism are the scribes and the Pharisees who added to the law. And it wasn't the law that was a burden, it was what the scribes and Pharisees added to the law that was a burden. It became too heavy. Jesus said it this way. He says, um, he says, you tie up heavy loads, and you put them on people's shoulders. So you've added to the law, and you've made it a burden. And so if we're thinking about context today, and then we're thinking about how it applies to our lives, here's what we have to say. What, what made people weary and burdened in Jesus' day, the Jewish people who loved God? It was what was added to the law. Then let me add you a question. What makes your life weary and burdened today? Besides an iPhone. And I think you might name lots of things that make you weary or make you burdened. But I can tell you this. One of the things is our pace of life. It makes us weary and burdened. Do you you remember that, that Korean philosopher? His name is Khan. And, and he began to observe the people in the West, us, the way that we live our lives, and the pace with which we live our lives. And he wrote a book called The Burnout Society. And here's what Khan says as he observes us, me and you. He says they are too alive to die, but they are too dead to live. It's like the pace of their life has made them numb. They don't know how to stop and think anymore. They're just numb. So, you guys are saying, Wow, you've cheered us up. (laughs) Let me cheer you up. I've been getting a lot of response about the series, more than most Uh, text, emails, conversations, whatever. And one of my favorite was from my friend Lauren. Who said um, I have a question in regard to the series if a person has four possible routes they can take to work and they spent two months with a stopwatch and a spreadsheet trying to decide which route was quicker does that person have a problem with hurry and then he added just asking for a friend so I, I my heart's full, and, and I'm praying that God will give me words to say what's in my heart. I, I think it's easy just to say we've got to lighten up our schedules. Um, th- there's a danger there. Do you understand the problem with the law for the religious leaders was that they tried to live by the letter of the law, but they misunderstood the spirit of the law. And so they said, we're going to interpret everything that we can. So if you don't work on the Sabbath, then it probably means this and this and this and this and this. And they made it so complicated trying to live by just keeping the letter of the law. But, But they forgot what the intention of the law was completely. And I think it's possible if we reduce this conversation to just, well, just loosen up your schedule some. The reason we're having the conversation is because we are called to love God and to love our neighbor. You can have a very free schedule and walk by people in need and never see them. You can loosen up your schedule and not take time to spend in God's presence. It's not just a matter of saying, I'm going to reduce the hurry in my life. It's a matter of saying, I'm going to make it a priority to invest my time in my relationship with God and my relationships with others. Do you understand? Here's what I'm learning I'm learning that I can walk through this building on a Sunday morning at a very fast clip, and people don't talk to me. In fact, some people will say, You're in a hurry. But I've also been learning, and this is not, I'm not good at this. I'm just telling you, I'm learning. I've learned if I slow down that people will talk to me about what's happening in their hearts and in their lives, in their family, with their health. I can run into a hospital room and people can sense whether or not I'm there to visit or whether I'm there to pray and get down the road. And I've learned if I just pull up a chair and sit down, people have something to say to their pastor of all people. And so here's the invitation, okay? Jesus says, Come to me and, and learn from me. In other words, he's saying, Be my disciple. So Jesus is a rabbi, rabbis had disciples, disciples had two goals. They wanted to learn from the rabbi's teaching, but greater still, they wanted to become like the rabbi, okay? They wanted to learn what the rabbi was teaching, but greater still, they wanted to become like the rabbi. Their goal was to become like him. And so Jesus inviting us to be disciples is saying, when he says, come to me and learn from me, he's saying, come to me, walk with me, listen to me, learn from me. Watch me. Learn the pace at which I live. And then live like me. Do life like I do life. Jesus invites us. To follow him, to take up his way of life, which I believe is what he meant by his yoke. So so what's he mean when he says, my yoke is easy? My burden is light. And, And I think we could just have a conversation. Do you think he means... Non-legalism. And do you think he means not a performance? But yeah, I think so. Do you think he's talking about his character because he says, I'm humble, I'm gentle, I won't make it harder. Yeah, I think that's it. I think Dallas Willard does a really good job thinking thinking this through with us. He says the secret of this easy yoke and light burden involves living as Jesus lived in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. What if, what if we became more like Jesus? I was having this conversation with some of our staff one day, and one person says to me, Hey, Pastor Rick, do you think that if we begin to live like Jesus in this way, that the world would truly see a difference in us as Christians? See, I think, I think Jesus, I know Jesus knew something that the people of his day could not quite understand. And and that was, what does the law really intend? And, And one day somebody asked Jesus that very question. Of all the commandments in the law, which one is the most important? And Jesus said, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, all of the law and all of the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is the intention of the law. It's loving God and neighbor. And here you go. That takes time. And hurry ain't got that kind of time. And so so all we've been talking about these last few weeks is not simply a matter of just slowing down some. It's the mindset. If, if Jesus said those two things are important, then are they important to me? And do I slow down for those two things? Or do I walk by hurting people saying, sorry, sorry? One of the most convicting statements I made in the series was I was trying to create a list on the first Sunday that we talked about this. About determining whether or not we are in a hurry. And have you ever said. I would have stopped. Had I not been in such a hurry. That's my story. Yeah. So. So we read the gospels. To hear what Jesus said. But but what if like the disciples. In Jesus day. We read it. To learn what he was really like. And to become more like him. And. And one of the things that we see in Jesus is this practice of slowing. And and what if we begin to practice that this week? You know. I want to pray today. And um, I just drove here this morning feeling <laughs> like I, I wanted to say, would, would it be good for us to gather around the altars today and pray? I think it's part of what's going on at Asbury that kind of, there's a spark in me this morning that says, you know, I, I've been looking at pictures of those students just kneeling along the altars in the front of the church, you know, and it's just, it's a beautiful sight. And so I felt like today to call board members and church leaders and class teachers and anybody who is willing Uh, to just get on their knees before God this morning. Uh, Just to come. And let's gather around and pray. You can pray for whatever you want to pray for. I'm praying for God to move. I'm praying for God to help me to slow down for what's important. And so I just thought it'd be great today if we just prayed before we left. So feel free to come. Father, Father, how we cry out to you this morning, how we come to you, how we need you. It is so easy to just kind of fall into the rhythms of this culture and to fall out of the rhythms of the life that Jesus lived. Bring us back, Lord. Remind us of what those important things are. And in those moments, give us the grace to slow to a very, a very slow pace. To be able to hear you. And to be able to hear the person in front of us. And to love deeply. As Nick leads us in songs this morning at worship, let's just pray and be in his presence for a little while. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.